Dan Mack is back, and this year she has sought out the best customer-centric thought leaders from around the world. Are you after practical, accessible, and customer-centric marketing? You're in the right place. Sit back and enjoy Dan's small business podcast. Today I'm interviewing Paul Rosner, who's written the marketing agency blueprint. Paul has a fantastic take on how we need to be more customer-centric in running a marketing practice. I think he has a lot to offer, not only marketers, but small businesses as they engage marketers going forward. So I hope you enjoy my chat with Paul today. Sure. Yeah, I started the agency in November of 2005. And what had happened was I spent about five and a half or six years at a traditional PR firm. And so in that time, I got to see a lot of the inner workings of the traditional agency model. And while there was a lot of good things about it, there was also a number of things that as a young professional, I had a lot of questions about why we did things the way we did them. And the common thread in the answers was because it's just how we've always done it. And so I realized that our agency at that time and many of the other agencies that I came in contact with were really running off of relatively archaic business models, still using billable hours, um, still providing the same type of services they always had. Maybe at that point, because we're talking about like um, early 2000s, you know, mixing in some web development and some email marketing. But for the most part, PR agencies and ad firms were doing what they'd always done. And so I just started kind of trying to find a, a different way. I had an idea that, you know, maybe that we just needed a different approach to the agency world. And that's what I built over about a year and a half while I was still there. I started working on the concept for PR 2020. And the idea was to standardize services and set pricing. So it was to make marketing agency services affordable and understandable to the mass market of small businesses. And so that's what I left to do in 2005. I started the agency and um, shortly thereafter, so around 2007, we came to find out about HubSpot, uh, all-in-one inbound marketing software. And we signed on with them and then uh, started eventually in early 2008 bundling our services with their software. And so we started offering like blogging and SEO and more email marketing, but all through the sales funnel to take them from the top of the funnel all the way through sale conversions and then even building customer loyalty with these techniques. And so a lot of agencies as HubSpot grew started looking at what we were doing as a model and HubSpot was... um, my friend Pete Caputa there who runs the VAR program was encouraging us to be more open and share what we'd learned and what we'd done. And I hesitated for a very long time to do that. And then in late 2010, I just um, sort of had a change of heart and decided that we could probably help a lot of people by sharing what we'd learned and uh, potentially help a lot of people by sharing what I thought was possible, not just for us, but for the agency world as a whole. And then uh, in March of 2011, um, David Meerman Scott introduced me to his editor at Wiley, and we got talking and we agreed to do the book, The Marketing Agency Blueprint. And so I signed that deal in April of 2011. They gave me 90 days to write the book, and it came out in December of 2011. So the book was not something I set out to do. I I didn't have a career goal of writing a book, and certainly not one to other agencies. But it just kind of was a natural evolution where I thought we'd been through a lot and seen a lot of things trying a very different model. And at the end of the day, I decided that it could help uh, people more than it could hurt us to share. And so that was kind of what led to the blueprint. It's not a blueprint about, you know, here's what we've done and you should model it. It's more of here's what we've learned, here's what I think is possible in all these different areas, 
and now you know take this information do what you will with it hopefully other people can evolve the model and find better ways to do everything right so um i'm really interested in um the the effect that the books had on your business since launching it because obviously you know it's almost like you're giving it any workings of how you do things how we do it here sort of thing and I, i sort of wonder whether your hesitation and then deciding to do it was also because I feel like, well, certainly from a marketing perspective myself, I try and put now as much as I can out there. You know, I think right. there was a time when um, when it was very coveted, what you did, and then it slowly, from my perspective, has evolved to, all right, well, I'll give you a bit, but I'll put it behind some sort of email you know where you have to actually give me some information and now it seems like there's almost this shift to look I'm going to give you sort of as much as I can a taste as as much as I can about what we do here because at the end of the day you know my value proposition is more than that and I just wonder how you came to that thought and then and then what the book's done for your business for me, it, it really came down to a pretty simple idea, and that was uh, I'm a big believer in Tim O'Reilly, who owns O'Reilly Media, and he has a, a saying that, um, you know, create more value than you capture. And I think I even probably quoted in the book. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'd heard him say that, and it was, you know, it's simple but profound. And I think, you know, I definitely just arrived at a point in my life where I felt like we could create a lot of value by sharing. And there was the possibility that other firms would try and copy us, uh, but they already were. We had people scraping our services and pricing from our site and forgetting to take the links out. And literally, there was other agencies linking back to our site oh, within nice. their own product pages. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, people were already copying. And, and I guess I just arrived at the feeling where what we wanted to achieve and the kind of firm we were building, there just aren't that many other people that want to build firms like that, of that scope. And so it was more to me like there was a lot of uh, entrepreneurs who were trying to make a living doing what they loved who may only end up ever being one, two, three, five, maybe ten-person firms. They had no aspirations of building large-scale agencies like we did. So my feeling was if I share information with them, all we're going to do is potentially help other entrepreneurs and businesses maybe fast forward a little bit on their growth because we can solve some of the problems they may run into or at least share what we'd seen. And then the other thing I felt was if if we do it in the process create some stronger competition, great, because it'll force us to innovate faster. And so once you put out all those, uh, I guess, you know, secrets you could call it, you're almost obligated then to move at a faster pace and to challenge yourself to continually stay ahead of everybody else. And so that's kind of what I saw it as was a a justification or at least an encouragement internally to force us to continually move faster and adapt and innovate quicker than everybody else. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then in terms of how it's affected our business, I think it's, you know, obviously writing a book adds credibility to any organization. And so there is that aspect in the business development process where, you know, you have a book to your, um, to the name of the agency, which helps. But we really used it more to, to launch a separate area of the business, which marketing agency insider is the brand that we created. 
and that's the URL too, is marketingagencyinsider.com. And through that, we actually started doing online education and training for other agencies. Mm-hmm. And that's been a wonderful piece of the business. You know, last year it was a, a pretty successful piece of the business. Um, and it's also a growing community. And that was our goal was to build a community of, of agencies that were willing to share and be more open and then potentially collaborate with each other. Fantastic. I just, I also wonder when I was reading through the book, you, you define some of, um, I guess, these people that are sort of um, creating these agencies that disrupt what, you know, the common model is. You sort of describe them as nimble, tech savvy, open and collaborative, which you sort of described there. Yeah. And it, it wonder, I wondered whether you actually think customers are becoming more like that as well. I think they're slow to change. This is it's interesting because this is a topic we're doing a lot about right now. We actually we're just in a meeting where we have a ebook we're gonna publish uh, in the next month or so on the topic of kind of the corporate marketer side or the nonprofit or whatever the organization is, the marketing department side. Mm-hmm. And how the, there's a need for them to be evolving as well, but there's definitely a talent gap right now that there aren't many marketers that are trained to do this sort of thing. And so we're starting to see a lot of the opportunities for agencies right now is to fill that gap. So the agencies that do evolve and uh, move quickly can be the outsourced marketing team for corporations that are struggling to figure it out. But I think it's, it's hard. I actually just gave a talk uh, a couple of weeks ago to a group of publishers and publishers, you know, publishing industries obviously has its challenges. And that was one of the points I made to them is that success in the future depends on being able to be nimble, which is not anything people would accuse publishers of being, but it's what they need to become. And I, a lot of corporations are in the same boat. They need to become that, but that's not what their culture and their infrastructure is designed to do. So it, there's going to be some dramatic changes that will need to happen. Mm, and I think that's a really good um, identification, especially marketers going into those corporations, um, that that's that's a really good um, insight into what is actually happening. You know, they're coming right. out without those skills, absolutely. And I think also the people within inside those organisations don't have the skills. And so what they're doing is scrambling. You can see it sort of happening. So so right. that's really interesting. Um, but I guess the sort of the centre of my question was, you know, I, I think that when I went through your book, what I really liked about it was um, the packaging. I thought that was one one part of it. I thought that the value creation was another part of it. And I thought that the, the sort of market or agency was another part. But the bit that that I, I think underpinned it, and I don't know if this is in, in you, but it certainly is in me, that, that this customer mindset, some people call it customer centricity, but actually right. it, it sort of does make me think that it is your underpinning in that you've actually thought about your end customer and what they would need. And I just wonder if right. that's a big part of it because you do talk a little bit about it, your ideal customer profiling and, um, you know, how to identify mm-hmm. problems and using huddles to facilitate that. Can you talk right. a little bit about that as part of your model? Yeah, within the ecosystem that we show, I think it's in Chapter 2 where we talk about the evolving agency ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And at the center of that visual is the client. And the reality is that there's there's probably a, a... 
a further nucleus to that, and that is the customer. So the client demands are changing, which dictates that new types of agencies must exist. But the reason client demands are changing is because consumer behavior is changing. And I think Google had a great study um, recently that is featured through their website, Zero Moment of Truth. And one of the things that became obvious within there is the way people purchase and the way they research information has changed dramatically. And they showed that, I think it was 2010 to 2011, the average number, and then it was like 10.7 or 10.8 in 2011. So in just 12 months, the number of sources people looked at to make a decision doubled. And so as a result, consumers are seeking more information, thus the prevalence of blogs and ebooks and webinars and podcasts and all these different sources of information that exist because consumers, whether it's in B2B or B2C, want more information and they're not going to trust the brand itself necessarily just to pitch them on product features and benefits. They want to actually learn and be educated. And so as a result, agencies need to offer services that meet the different areas of demand. And then corporate marketers need to have those same capabilities and they need to be able to speak to buyers specific pain points and questions at different parts of the sales process. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And I, I was interested to look at sort of your revenue model or or if you like your, um, yeah, your revenue model, which is a mix of, service consulting, training, education, publishing and software. And I think that that's a really interesting evolution of a mix. And, yeah. and just on what you've said, it makes sense because, you know, they're the services that we need to actually provide now. Right. Yeah. I just yeah, I think the... Yeah, if you could talk a little bit about that. Sure. So right now, like on our website, if you go to PR2020.com, it's not extremely obvious what we're doing and how we've blended all those together yeah. in part because we have actually split off into separate properties. So like marketing agency insider is much more of an education uh, play than a service play. We don't provide services or consulting uh, through that brand. It's all online education, but that's also become a testing grounds for what we can do on the PR 2020 side. So in the near future, you'll start to see an evolution of the brand positioning of the agency and also the services that we provide and how they're positioned. Mm -hmm. So we'll integrate much more on the technology side. The education side will become more prevalent. The services side will evolve and will be bundled differently. We're actually going to um, dramatically change the way our services are pricing, are priced and structured. It's something we've been working on for years, but um, you know we've learned a lot of lessons from the way we've bundled services to date. And so we're going to try and come up with something that's much more customer-friendly and much more value-driven than what we do today and what most agencies do today. And just on that, in terms of the, the bundling, what, what strikes me, because I've been doing that for a little while as well, in terms of my rationale for it was to try and give them a little bit of a taste and, and to actually take on an end-to-end -end service agreement doesn't do that, right? right? And not only that, it's hard to understand. So to put yourself in the customer's position and think about, well, you know, can I get a little piece of you and then go forward? Right. What am I actually looking to solve at the moment? Can I just get that? And then I can see. Do you know what I mean? Sort of, right. And this is something that the consumer market's been doing forever, which I, I was really interested to read in your book that you referred to that because that's where I keep going back to. To me, it's almost like the consumer marketing is closer to the cons customer and right. almost B2B is that step behind. 
And I often go back and look at how consumer marketing is doing something to inform how I deliver a service. Right. And I just wondered yeah, I, that perspective, you know, what do you think about that? Well, we used to do much more of the consumer style, like the B2C style, where we would have kind of the loss leader, which I think is some of the stuff you're referring to, where we would have those projects up front where they would come in the first time and, and have an experience working with us, like a website project or a one-time content project. Mm-hmm. and. That was fine, but we ended up finding over time that the theory, the assumption in the theory there was if you can bring them in for a one-time project, then you can keep them and retain them as a lifelong customer or at least a long-term customer. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't often the case. Mm -hmm. So what we've moved to is much more of a longer-term commitment up front. And and our general feeling is, and it it takes some, some level of confidence that what you do is of great value. And to where you start to almost have a greater respect for your time and resources, that if they're not able or willing to make a commitment to you of, say, six or 12 months minimum, then it's probably not worth your time as an agency. Mm-hmm. So now it definitely takes time to get to that point because in yearly going of a lot of agencies, you, you just need the work. You need to build your resume and your portfolio up so you take on opportunities that maybe in theory aren't the perfect opportunities, but you need to get get them. Mm -hmm. And then once you get to a more stable point as an agency, I think you owe it to yourself to start being more selective in terms of the type of clients you bring on and the the level of engagements that you require to do that. Because, you know, I think in the book, I talk about talent's your greatest asset. Mm -hmm. You're doing your talent a disservice if you're putting them on projects and clients that don't necessarily appreciate the value of what they're getting. Um, So, it's yeah. just a, it's a change in philosophy as you grow. Yeah, I guess um, I guess I wasn't necessarily just referring to lost leaders. Um, maybe just even packaging, you know, that they pay for, but they can see, I guess the um, the outcome of each of those modules, if you like, even if you do them over a you know a period of twelve months or six months, but they can sort of clearly see the outcome of each stage or right. each deliverable. It's just making right. it more transparent. Yeah, absolutely. That's a huge part of everything we do is uh, pushing for transparency in all elements of marketing, whether it's the budgets, the activities, who's working on what. Uh, we try and be fully transparent with that. And then everything we do, we want tied to an outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to understand what the sales funnel is for the client, and then you want to be clear on which campaigns or activities that you're running fit within which stage of the funnel and then when you run a campaign, say for three months, and you know, maybe they invest $10,000, you don't want any question at the end of that of, well, did it perform? Did, did we have a goal? Did it meet or exceed the goal? And if, if it didn't meet the goal, what did we learn from it? How can we get better next time? So in order to have those kind of agile programs, you need to constantly be measuring and evolving what you're doing. Yeah, and I, I like how you say in the book, you know, really we have to become measurement gurus right and it 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 does strike me i mean i I don't understand it but as the market becomes more educated surely that they know that things are more measurable i mean surely clients must be aware of that so it makes sense to actually you know educate the market if they don't because then you can clearly define your value i think on the other side of that as you become you know these um agencies or, or marketers that 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 have this mapped out um, philosophy of, you know, what we're going to do and what we're going to deliver. 
I just wonder whether there's still space for those creative harebrained ideas that, you know, maybe won't have that clear measurement but are worth it because they break that mould? I, I definitely don't see creative ideas going away. It really just becomes more about uh, it needs to be a, a you need to understand what percentage of resources are going to creative ideas because they tend to be a little bit harder to track and the, the way that they come out. So like just an example, the Super Bowl ads, which are a recent example, there's some wonderful creative that goes into doing Super Bowl ads. Then they cost $4 million to buy a 30 second spot. Well, the creative's fine, but it's the execution of it that really comes together and, and delivers value. So how is it integrated with social media? How is it integrated with content? How is it integrated with customer support or service? Like there's a lot of different elements that need to go into it. And as long as creative is a, a manageable piece of the resource allocation, it's fine. It's when corporations historically have relied almost exclusively on creative and then paid media to get the messages out where you start running into problems. Yeah. So it's just, it's about organi organizations understanding what they're going to do uh, and how they're going to measure success, and then if create if wild creative fits in there, great. But you know, I think so much of it now is strategic creativity in terms of running campaigns that have a very specific goal in mind, and then being creative with your positioning to a degree and your you know visual elements and um, how you're going to play it out in social media. You can be extremely creative. I, I just I don't know that that one big creative idea per year that an agency may have made their money on, I, I don't know how that's a sustainable model in the future. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. There's, there's another element that runs through the book, um, which is around choosing the right clients. Mm -hmm. And when, when I looked at this, I, I sort of look at it, there's two parts to my question, I guess. One is, you know, the value set of, of your agency and the values that you hold and, the, mm -hmm. and, and this idea around wanting to stand for something or represent something. And then right. on, the other, on the other pendulum is this um, rise of the social enterprise and, you know, businesses sort of shifting their models. Um, how important do you feel, you know, that standing for something and the values that you hold? If, if all things become neutral and there is some commoditization of we're going to do X, in terms of execution or we've, you know, we've got this certain amount of talent, how important is that value and what you stand for in today's business? I, I think it's an enormous piece. And I, I don't know if I'm going to quote this right, but there was this great TEDx talk recently that I watched. And in essence, the message was people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And so in essence, you want customers who believe in what you believe in. And, and so when the last chapter is about like pursuing purpose and having a purpose as an agency or as a business, you know, I really believe that that's a big differentiator in the future is having a purpose behind why you're doing what you're doing and then having that purpose come through in everything you do because a lot of services do sound the same and a lot of uh, agencies have great talent and they all use the same software and there, there's a lot of things that are the same mm -hmm. but purpose is a really difficult thing to replicate and to be authentic about and so if you truly have a unique purpose behind the business you're building and you can effectively communicate that in your brand positioning and then in everything you do 
it's a very hard thing to compete with. And there are just very few companies that actually have a, a meaningful purpose behind them, or at least they struggle to convey that if they do. Absolutely. So can I ask you what your meaningful purpose is for the company? Like, <laughs> have you got something that you center everything around? Yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting. I wrote that chapter. That was one of those things where it's like, well, what is ours? Mm-hmm. You know, if I had to sit down and document it. And that's where a lot of the thinking behind that chapter came from is that, you know, it's not, you know, I would say our purpose is probably different today than it would have been 2005 when I started it. Um, but I believe passionately in transforming the industry. I, I think there are just so many opportunities to build better businesses, to build better agencies, to develop better careers for professionals and give entrepreneurs more freedom and flexibility in their lives. I think so much can be improved by improving the processes and the way talents developed. Uh, and so everything we do really centers around trying to transform the industry in a very positive way. And so if we can, you know, if that leads us towards building software or moves us into more on- online education, whatever it may be, we look at everything in, in that grand picture of does this help move the industry forward in some way? Does it help transform marketing in a positive direction? And, and if we're doing that, if we're doing that, um, that piece, then I, I feel like it kind of trickles down and the positive things will be there for the agency, but I don't worry about uh, money. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm a business person. I look at numbers daily, but that's not what drives us. You know, hitting revenue numbers doesn't, make an impact for me the way it does of hearing someone's story about reading the book and and you know leaving their corporate job to go start their own agency because they were inspired to do it like to me that's worth far more than um making money and so i think as long as that carries through to everybody in the agency then we're headed in the right direction well i think it does speaking for myself because you can feel it and it's something Mm -hmm. that isn't touchable I think, you know, it, I think it does come back to that valuable or, or value set or that intangible thing that people right. just get. And, you know, whether it's passion or whether it's your, you know, pay it forward philosophy or generosity or whatever, right. you want to work with people like that. And at the end of the day, right. it is still an emotional decision. You know, there is yeah. an emotion that comes into that buying. Yeah, all the other ducks have to be lined up, you know. Right. But, but at the end of the day, people like to work with someone that has the same mindset as they do so you know i want to say thank you because it it gave me a lot um and it also aligned with my value set which was really really nice i i think that there's you know there's not enough people doing this sort of thing and if 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 you encourage a few more people to take that on well how fantastic because it it gives everyone an opportunity to learn off one another which i know is what your community is about yeah so so that's great I, i just wanted to ask you um, in closing, sort of, you know, are you influenced by anyone at the moment? You know, what are you reading? What are you into? What are some new tools? Give us the good stuff, Paul. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, I mean, I'm reading constantly. But right now I would say the most influential book I've read recently is Automate This. By, I think it's Christopher Steiner maybe. Okay. But I'm, a, I'm very fascinated where the industry is going to go potential impact of algorithms or bots on intelligence. So the easiest way to look at it is what IBM did with Watson and how it you know, made it so it could compete on Jeopardy and um, think of things almost very human-like in nature. 
you know, I look at things like that and wonder what's possible in marketing when you commoditize the technology. Mm-hmm. So if you can make computers um, that intelligent, if we can apply computer learning to what we're doing, we can build much more uh, efficient and intelligent programs like campaigns for clients mm-hmm. and consultants can become much more efficient themselves by looking at strategies and past performance and using probability. So let's say, you know, we want to generate a hundred leads next month for a client. You, you could have the computer doing the hard work of, well, what's generated the most leads in the past, what activities have been most successful and then run probabilities to tell you, here's the three things you should look at doing next month. Mm -hmm. And then as a consultant, you're kind of applying that human layer of intelligence over it and saying, okay, these, these make the most sense. So I'm very intrigued by everything within the Automate This Book and its applications to the marketing world mm-hmm. um, because it's already changed the way investing is done. It's changing the medical uh, profession. And in my opinion, it's only a matter of time until it dramatically changes any industry you can imagine. Well, absolutely. Um, I think you can see, you know, I think even when you, you described, you know, what the um, industry is changing and what you need to be as a marketer today. I mean, I'm just lucky that, that I've had a bit of an IT geek in me and, yeah. and that I had a fascination for that. I really am because if you think about some of the key tools in our kit bag, you know, be it CRM or, you know, CMS or, or, or whatever it is or just even the analytical side, um, it helps to have that because you can see the convergence of those two things. What I really believe is there's a certain amount of empathy and customer centricity. There's a certain amount of IT geekiness. Right. There's a certain amount of an analytical um, curiosity and, 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 and strategy all mixed yeah. in and baked in. And, and those people, I certainly am looking all the time for what are the tools that are going to help me understand my customers? What are the yeah. tools that are going to help me predict what the next step or the next evolution would be? How are they making decisions? What are they doing? What are they? What's their world look like? And those things are sort of really influencing me. And so, you know, if you ask what I'm reading, they're little bits of everything because that's yeah. what our customers are doing. They're reading a bit of that while they've got their iPad on while they're doing this. You know, it's just crazy. And I think, I think the thing that really cuts through all of that is, you know, this next layer of aggregation or collaboration or you know fast tracking but still making sense yeah because we've got less time absolutely so um so that's really great so what's next for you and your company what you said you're working a little bit on more customer friendly services services packaging last month we launched uh, a website called marketing score it's the marketingscore.com and it's an online assessment tool and marketing intelligence engine for marketers. So it's a free tool. And it's something we've been building for a while, but in earnest for about six months. Uh, last year, we spent developing the software. And it's, uh, like I said, it's a free tool, and it's designed as the first piece of the intelligence engine that I'd kind of referred to earlier. And the idea is based on people's input, the, uh, the software will actually recommend actions um, that drives improved performance for their marketing. So they go through and they grade themselves across 10 areas and then it provides a, a report and tells them how they're doing in terms of marketing technology utilization, marketing team competencies, um, their cores, their business cores, their performance to date, 
social PR content. It just kind of looks at these different areas mm -hmm. and then it gives them very easy to understand charts to show where the strengths and weaknesses are. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, we do online education and training and provide resources to help people improve their marketing. So that's what we're working on now. That's the main thing I'm spending most of my time building. Fantastic. Well, I'll be sure to put links to that in your site on PR Thank 2020. You. And I really appreciate your time. Again, very generous. <laughs> Absolutely. Some, Anytime. Some great insight. So, so thanks for being with me today. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for taking the time out of your busy day to listen to this podcast. For more great marketing tips, go to Dan's blog at www.daniellemcginnis.com and sign up for her marketing tips or visit her website at www.mcginnismarketing.com.au. Catch you next time.